Oh, yeah. Bet online. It's bet online and betonline.ag, baby. Uh, I love bet online. I'm not much of a sports gambler, but man, there's something really exciting, especially this time of year with March Madness and things wrapping up. But, you know, mostly for the fights. When it comes to UFC, boxing, that kind of stuff, it's just so awesome to have that available for you and to get the odds and stuff to understand what's coming before the fight even arrives. Bet online is definitely the only place on the internet you need to go when it comes to sports and sports information and sports betting, okay? Not to mention, they have all of your favorite casino games right there, 24 hours a day. Uh, Multi-hand blackjack, poker, roulette, all of it. It's all right there, betonline.ag, one of the sponsors I'm most proud of. They work very hard to make sure that Mikey Likes You comes your way. So if you have anything in your brain that leads you to want to be interested in sports, you have to go to betonline.ag. Do it for me, my friends. Hey, fellas, I don't like the idea of you having to suffer through performance problems in the bedroom. It, it's very natural happens to most men and when that does happen why should you be exposed to even more embarrassment or suffering and the awkward problems of having to go to the pharmacy and the doctor's office and talk about this whole thing no 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 no. get some blue chew in your life blue chew is an amazing service okay a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it's at a fraction of the cost. And the best part to me, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for Mikey Likes You listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code M-I-K-E-Y. That's Mikey at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you so much, BlueChew, for sponsoring this podcast. Listen here. If you're dieting, if you're watching what you eat, eventually your sweet tooth is going to come to get you. Cravings will creep their ugly head and rear them and you will be in a bad way. So, Be prepared. Get yourself some Magic Spoon. It's what I do. I get it for my daughter. I get it for me. I get it for my wife. Everybody loves it because there's amazing flavors. And you're talking about 140 calories per serving with no grains and 13 or 14 grams of protein. It's a really, really tasty treat. It's a guilt-free trip back to being a child and having those sugary, totally decadent cereals. Yet, there's no guilt of all the decadence because it's not in there. Just the taste is there. It's a it's an amazing combination. All the taste, none of the problems. Like I said, 140 calories, 13, 14 grams of protein, and real quality ingredients. Magic Spoon is in fact magic, okay? And I got a deal for you, my Mikey Likes You listeners. Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your order. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the promo code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Mikey Likes You podcast, the greatest health and fitness podcast on the planet, as decided by me. I don't really need anybody else's opinion on that. Michael Jackson decided he was the king of pop. It wasn't Quincy Jones or anything. And Michael Jackson's like, oh, I'm the king of pop. Done. Howard Stern said he was the king of all media. Done. Well before he was legitimately the king of all media because Howard went on to prove uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was, in fact, the king of all different forms of media. He was in a movie and he acted and he was quite good. He wrote many successful books and he is, of course the undisputed king of radio. Uh, So, but my point being is that, sure, okay, there's plenty of other health and fitness podcasts where many more millions of people download and listen to it compared to this one. And sure, there's people who are maybe more well-researched 
there's, you know, objective ways you can measure quality that people beat me. All very scary. <clears throat> I'm saying it now so that when it it is true, it's just people will be like, oh, yeah, it's totally true. Okay? Anyway, I'm Mike Catherwood. And uh, I am Mikey of Mikey Likes You, and you are who is liked. Welcome. One of the things that I tend to get asked about pretty frequently by men, women, uh, young and old, is the idea and the um, experience and the application of cardiovascular training. Now, a lot of you who have listened to me um, quite regularly will know that I'm not like a huge fan. In fact, I can, at least from my perspective, pinpoint how it is uh, ruining most people's gains and preventing them from getting what they want out of their training and their eating. So I just kind of wanted to break that down. And I want to say out of the gate, I'm not anti-cardio. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. What I am saying is that the misconception, and it is, in fact, a misconception. This isn't open for debate anymore. There's ample and conclusive scientific proof that if you want to achieve a lean muscular physique, cardiovascular activity is not in any way superior. In fact, it's counterproductive to your goals in comparison to resistance training. Now, it's, it, it, it seems reasonable, and that's why I don't ever, you know, I, I never laugh off anybody's questions or their ideas when they say, hey, I just want to get, I'm not interested in being buff. I don't want to get jacked, so I'm not going to do a lot of weightlifting. I'm going to do cardio. I, I don't ever, it, no matter how many thousands of times I hear that and I have to kind of guide people away from that idea, I never once have been, you know, judgmental or, or um, amused by it because it, it makes sense. Uh when you think of power lifters and bodybuilders and people who lift a lot of weights, you think of people who are obscenely big and muscular. And when you think of people who get lean and trim, you think of people who do a lot of cardiovascular stuff. But you, you have to take into consideration, like, the reality. You have to look at it from all angles. Um, it's not just a matter of cardio equals this and weightlifting equals that. What it is is that most of the time, when you look at people who have pleasing physiques that aren't physique athletes, that's people in, in competitive sports, activity sports, you look at a football player and he has a great physique, a female gymnast, she has a great physique, whatever. You have to take into consideration that um, that's not all of them. I mean, for instance, basketball is a perfect example. There are many men, players in the NBA who have incredible physiques. There are many that don't, like really don't, and they run for a living. You know what I'm saying? They're running miles and miles and miles at different intensities, and their bodies look like my asshole, spread. Um, and that's because you need to, and I can't say this enough. I really, truly can't say this enough. It might be beating a dead horse to people who are consistently listening or people who are my Patreon clients. But the way your body looks is so, is so considerably, so considerably dictated by your diet that training can be looked at not as an unnecessary factor, certainly not as a not important factor, but as a, an adjunct. It's an adjunct to your, your dieting. Um, and you know, when people say like, look, Luke, Luke Rockhold of, of the UFC middleweight, Luke Rockhold has an amazing male physique. He does. He trains MMA. I'm going to train MMA so that I can look like him. Nope. The factors that go into how your body looks are varied and there's a bigger multitude then there is just training, how you train it and what you eat. Genetics play a huge component because as many middleweight UFC fighters that have Luke Rockhold's body, there's 10 times more who have rather pedestrian physiques. 
None of them are slobs, of course, because they, they train like animals. But Luke Rockhold has tremendous genetics. And on top of that, types of training come, come with them different types of physiques. I will name, you know, the people in mixed martial arts or in boxing especially that are well known for their incredible cardio. People who are really well known for being able to drag people into the deep waters and take them there. The Diaz brothers, Fedor Emelianenko, Cain Velasquez. By the way, free Cain. We got you, buddy. Um, Cain Velasquez. Uh, I mean, some names are escaping me. Um, Colby Covington. Although Colby looks, he looks pretty good. Either way, there's a common thread amongst most of these men, and it's that they, they're not, they're not looking like Greek gods. Yeah, they're not. Again, they're not slobs, but they they're not these ripped, shredded physiques. Um, training, and I, and I pointed this out over and over again. What training is? Any form of physical activity. If you want to elicit a specific response, you have to train to achieve a specific stimuli. And muscle density, muscle size, fat loss, weight, overall weight loss, regardless of what it may be. These things require a very, very specific type of training to elicit that response. Increasing your VO2 max, increasing your aerobic capacity. If you are a rugby player, if you are a competitive grappler and fat loss may be on your list of priorities, but number one on your list of priorities when you're hitting your strength and conditioning is to to increase your gas tank. That takes a specific type of training, and it's going to be different than the type of training that comes with lowering body fat, retaining muscle, gaining muscle, things like that. You know, so I, I, I think one of the biggest factors is not just a matter of cardio versus weight training. One of the biggest factors that is holding people back is that they want it all. You just got into jujitsu, you're a white belt, you got your second stripe, and you want so desperately to get better at jujitsu. But you also want to have a six pack by summer and you want to be, you're 190 now and you want to be 210. That's not how exercise and nutrition work. It's not. And this is at the heart of why I'm not a big fan of CrossFit. Because when you try to do too many things at once, you end up being mediocre at all of them. You have to, have to, have to, have to have the discipline and the self-control to put certain things on the back burner, willingly, knowingly put certain things on the back burner if you want to get excellent in one thing. It's the way it is. That's why, you know, for a time... Ben Askren was looked at as one of, if not, you know, arguably the best wrestler in all of mixed martial arts, not just the UFC and not just his time in one. He was, he, you know, people were like, damn, he's a dominant NCAA freestyle wrestler. He was, you know, with the Olympic trials, blah, 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 blah. And he got in the ring, excuse me, he got on the mats with Jordan Burroughs for like an exhibition. And Jordan Burroughs is an elite world-class, dominant American Olympic wrestler. And Jordan Burroughs made Ben Askren look like he was wrestling, like he was wrestling me. Not an exaggeration. Jordan Burroughs was wrestling a, a child. That's how much he dominated him. Because Ben Askren sucks? No. Because Ben Askren had been taking a decade to devote to developing his spacing for boxing, striking, learning how to check leg kicks, whatever it may be. There was time, there was energy, there was caloric expenditure, and there was intellectual focus put into so many different things. Jordan Burroughs was wrestling. Okay? Conor McGregor is an excellent striker. He really is. And he has pretty damn good fundamental boxing. In comparison to everyone that walks the earth, he also has just almost supernatural reflexes and um, hand speed. 
there's this, there's a point when he was fighting Eddie Alvarez where he hits him with a double left that it, 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 it it's beyond belief. Human beings are not supposed to move. They, Conor McGregor is an incredibly gifted athlete with incredibly quick reflexes and, and, and insane fast twitch muscle fibers. He's and, and, and a very skilled striker. And we saw what happens when you get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. And the same thing would probably happen if you got into the ring with any comparably sized high-level professional boxer. Because Conor McGregor sucks? No, he's excellent. It's because Conor McGregor had to take time to work on his distancing. With, you know, his sidekicks and his really, really limber limbs that he uses, his hips that he uses, and his dexterity with his kicks. And becoming a better wrestler becoming better at takedown defense, you know, so he could fight guys that are, you know, excellent grapplers. My point being, um, not to get too geeky about MMA, but it's a very clear analogy to if, if you want to get shredded for summer and you're spending, you know, let's say there's, there's 15 hours a week that you're training. If three of them is weight training and 10 of them is running your 10k a week and another uh two hours is devoted to jujitsu you're going to get relatively mediocre at all of them you're not going to be on the podium for a marathon you're certainly not going to be winning any medals in jujitsu competitions and you're not going to be lean and shredded now, why is that? You ask. It's like, it's all movement. Hey, you're sweating. You're burning calories. Absolutely true. If you wanted to get excellent at jujitsu, you would have to eat a lot. Why? Because you got to be on the mats at least six days a week, sometimes twice a, twice a day. And you can't do that in a caloric deficit. And if you did do it in a caloric deficit, it would have to be super slight. I'm recording. Um, if you were in a caloric deficit, you'd have to be in such a slight one that would be so full of carbs, you know, to keep to, to, um, support that level of training in an anaerobic state, almost completely anaerobic state that, um, you wouldn't have energy or any time or any calories left to go and then lift weights the way you would need to lift weights to have a beautiful physique. If you wanted to run um, a, 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 a 10K winning speed at, in, in a 10K, you would spend some time lifting weights. You probably should. But you would have to build your base of strength and your aerobic base, which takes months. That takes a pretty, pretty considerable amount of food. You would be starving. It would be very hard to diet. You certainly couldn't diet and do that. And if you were dieting, it wouldn't be in a way that you were losing considerable body fat because of the energy systems that are taxed. And your muscle, your protein synthesis would be compromised because of the, you know, the, wear, the wear and tear on your body. And then the hormonal response, the internal health and hormonal response to doing that long-term stuff. Not at all criticizing it i think you know endurance athletes i admire them so much because really what makes a great endurance athlete is mental toughness so i have huge deep authentic respect for uh endurance athletes it's just a terrible way to get your body to look good so understand that your body has three separate energy systems three main main energy systems they get stimulated in disparate ways and then they have to be fueled in disparate ways. And the way that you fuel yourself in order to become excellent at long distance running or excellent at jujitsu or excellent at boxing or um, excellent at powerlifting. It's not, it's not just a matter of non-strength sports. If you wanted to be an excellent competitive Olympic lifter or powerlifter, you can't be guarding your abs. You're not going to simultaneously step on a bodybuilding stage or achieve your greatest physique. 
your your physique can get better. You can maintain it. Many, many professional bodybuilders or high-level fitness athletes and physique athletes also powerlift or also compete in Olympic lifting. But they they kind of toggle between their focus because you have to. Um, I like to lift heavy. I, I believe in complex, you know, compound movements, the power lifts in particular. And I base all my training around that. Um, but I'm not in any way training or eating to beat winning competitions. I'm getting stronger. And that's a byproduct of my training. I'm getting stronger in those three competitive lifts, the deadlift, the deadlift, the squat and the bench press. But I'm not achieving excellence in them because my main goal right now is achieving excellence in taking my shirt off. So just understand that it's not, you know, burning calories and taking in less calories is like this weird umbrella when it comes to fat loss and and building muscle and things like that. But there's also specific ideas and they're not too complex or hard to understand. And I'm going to do my best to base this podcast on trying to make them easier to understand. You have the aerobic system, which I think is the one that most people are familiar with. It's, you know, you go for a jog and you, you, you grab that jump rope or you get on the treadmill, whatever it may be. And that is your aerobic system. It exists with, you know, 50 to 70% of your maximum heart rate. So the amount of heart rate is really the best and easiest way to, to gauge how much work you're doing. Extremely high heart rates means that you're doing extremely intense uh, activity and then extremely low heart rate being, you know, all the way down to your resting heart rate would be doing very low levels of activity or none at all. Um, and the aerobic, uh, zones being zone one and zone two. So, you know, 50, 40 to 50% all the way up to about 70% of your maximum heart rate can be great. Um, as an adjunct to weight training when you're trying to, um, lose fat, look better because the heart rates and the activity that you're doing in heart rates that low aren't going to compromise your hormonal system or your muscle synthesis when it comes to the actual training that you have to do. It's also not going to probably compromise your recovery from said exercise, which is the real bread and butter of what you need to do if you want to look amazing. So, you know, these are things that I say now they're not mandatory, but it is something that you can look into doing. I I like the aerobic stuff, but I always keep it. I always err on the side of too slow, too low because I don't want to compromise my hormones. As we talked about in a um, two, two episodes ago that I had screwed my hormones up by wanting too much too quickly. And it was by training too much with weights too frequently and too heavily and too intensely, and then also trying to do too much cardio to try to lose more body fat quickly. And what did I do? I ended up shooting myself in the foot and actually getting a little bit softer because I had screwed myself up from the inside out by trying to do too much with too high of a heart rate at you know in too short of a time. So that's something you have to look at. And the anaerobic system is, is the next step up, and that's going to be between you know seventy to about eighty five percent of your maximum heart rate, and this is great for athletic performance and something that you have to do if you're a competitive athlete in most sports. And, um, but you have to do it with discipline. It's not something you can just do for hours and hours on end thinking that it's going to make you better because it will take its toll on you internally, which is something that you need to watch out for. And then finally, there is the ATP system, which is for very, very, very short. And I mean, sometimes one to three seconds. Usually it can be up to five with, uh, highly, highly competitive, highly world-class athletes. But your ATP system is for things like a burst, a, an extreme jump, uh, a one rep deadlift, you know, maximum one rep deadlift, uh, uh, certainly power lift, uh, excuse me, Olympic lifters live almost exclusively in the ATP system. Extreme bursts of maximum intensity activity done at an incredibly short, something that you couldn't do for longer than um, three to five seconds. Sprinters, Max, they they have a, a nice blend of ATP with aerobic. You know, for the first 
uh, 40 yards of that 100-yard dash, or excuse me, 40 meters of that 100-meter dash. It is all ATP system coming off the, coming off the blocks. And then it's at the last, you know, uh, tail end of those meters is going to be your aerobic, your anaerobic system, which kicks in. Yes. Can I go outside and do the chin-up bar? Yeah, of course. Don't hurt yourself. I will. <laughs> chances are, oh, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested at least somewhat in weight loss. So before we continue the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom really understands that everyone's weight loss journey is very unique and what works for someone else isn't going to necessarily work for you. So Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at the pace you're comfortable with. So start building better habits for a healthier, long-term result that you're looking for. Sign up for a trial at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash B-L-E-A-V. Believe. That's what I'm talking about. Again, that's Noom. N-O-O-M dot com slash B-L-E-A-V. All right? Personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful about your habits. Come on, now's the time. It is noom.com slash believe. That's noom.com slash believe. Chances are you have the wrong idea about the wonder drug that is nicotine, okay? But in reality, there's nothing wrong with nicotine. In fact, there's a lot good about nicotine. It helps suppress appetite. It helps boost metabolism. It has great cognitive benefits. The problem is, is that most of the time, the way we get nicotine is gross. You know, vaping, smoking, chewing tobacco, whatever it is. That's where Lucy comes in. Lucy has your back. Lucy capsule nicotine pouches and lozenges and gum. They're all fantastic. They all taste great. Four or eight milligrams of a nice clinical dose of nicotine where you get all the benefits with none of the downside. Okay. Lucy is a great product designed for people who want the benefits of nicotine without the downsides of traditional ways of getting it. So, Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co, use the promo code Mikey to get 20% off your order of Lucy nicotine capsule pouches or any other Lucy products. That's lucy.co, use promo code Mikey at checkout. And I have to let you know that this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code Mikey. So just to break down, you know, the the three separate um, energy systems, because the three separate energy systems require three separate sets of fuel, three separate types of fuel. Your aerobic system is almost exclusively based around fat burning. And that's another reason why I think it can be a great little adjunct for the physique athlete who's looking to have that amazing body. You know, walking, I always recommend walking on an incline because it's going to get you a little higher than just walking on flat ground, but it's not going to get you so high that it's going to tap into that aerobic, uh, excuse me, go above your aerobic threshold. Um, the anaerobic system is where you get that, the blended energy source of carbs and, or glucose and fat, some fat. And then the ATP system is based on ATP. Um, which is a very, very kind of small dose, cherished source of energy for maximum explosive movements that you, again, you can't sustain for um, very, very long amounts of time. So that being said, when you're getting into these higher uh, energy systems, uh, higher heart rates, you have to fuel it properly or else you're going to burn yourself out. And in order to fuel that properly, it's just very, 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 very difficult, if not impossible, to do that while in a caloric deficit. Especially considering that when most people start to get into a caloric deficit, I'm not saying they have to go keto or even low carb, but you have to start at some point tapering off carbs because you're not going to want to take away from protein. And your dietary fat's already reasonably low because there's nine calories per fat gram which means it's not something that you can overload if you're really trying to monitor your calorie intake, unless you're a massive person, you know, you know, NFL lineman or something like that. So that's where a lot of people engage in stuff that can be problematic to attaining their goals. That is why a lot of people who are really good CrossFitters who have been doing it for 
you know, a decade and they're like, man, my friend time is killer and I'm competing in the district games and everything. And they still have man tits. And you're like, well, hmm. how come the, I don't get, that's because look, specificity. Specificity is the game. And that's why people who are breaking world records in powerlifting, you go, well, I thought you said the complex movements and progressive overload are going to get me jacked. That guy looks like a refrigerator. Yeah, well, it's a mechanical advantage. You can lift more if you are if you got more weight to throw around. Those guys and gals are not necessarily concerned about how they look in the mirror. They we're, we're, they're want to get their totals up. Specificity. And then there is specificity in the fuel that goes into each and every different activity. Now, you can maybe see sitting here if you're a little bit more knowledgeable about different worlds in strength sports and say, well, like, what about Steffi Cohen? What about some of these guys I see that are competitive powerlifters that look amazing? Well, they're competing at different um, weight classes and they're monitoring how much weight they gain. And on top of that, they've done the work to get jacked to begin with. So, again, I'm not saying that you can't be a competitive BJJ uh, uh, player and not look amazing. There's plenty of them. They do. But you have to stagger. My friend Mike Safi is one of, if not the great, literally, this isn't hyperbole, one of the greatest physiques in the world. He is a Mr. Olympia physique competitor. He competes at the highest level and is as good as, if not better than anyone in the world at looking amazing. He's also a bona fide serious jujitsu black belt under Henner and Hiran Gracie at the Gracie Academy, the, the actual Gracie Academy headquarters. He, he has explained to me uh, in great detail when it's time for him to buckle down and maybe, you know, up his jujitsu game if he's got, if he's working with a specific client because he, he's a professional strength and conditioning coach. He's working with a specific client, you know, that uh, it might be important for him to actually get out on the mats, he has to step back. He's not He's not going to be in a phase where he's preparing for the Mr. Olympia. When he's preparing for the Mr. Olympia, he's not going to be able to hit the mats as much as he would want to if he was trying to elevate his jiu-jitsu game. Why is that? Because he can't do that. You can't achieve, you can't make those leaps and bounds once you're starting to get into to, to these, you know, small small fractional percentage points of improvement you can't do that unless you're completely devoted so if you're out there and you're 100 pounds overweight i'm not going to steer you away from trying to do a lot of things at once because you're going to make the gains anyway just by virtue of getting off the couch starting to understand how to lift and lifting and being consistent with it and upping your protein and maybe bring your calories down, you can definitely go hit your jujitsu class three days a week and, you know, go for a walk with your friends and do uh, your pickup basketball game uh, as long as you're doing your uh, basic, you know, kind of minimum effective dosage of resistance training and, and eating properly. You will see those gains. But trust me, a guy like me who's by no means world class but is leaner and stronger and looks better than the average dude, especially my age, uh, when I – make that shift and it's like I really want to buckle down and get better at jujitsu. I want to I'm I've been stagnant for too long. I'm 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 going to do it. I have to know. No. Not think no that my six pack's going to get a little blurred. No, I don't have to become a fat slob, but my slip my six pack isn't going to be my bench press is going to probably drop 20 to 30 pounds. My deadlift the same. But I'm I'm really devoting myself to upping my jujitsu game. So, you know, when it comes to making real those, oh my gosh, have you seen that chick lately? Can you, you go back to your high school reunion and you're like, people are like, oh damn. What, dude, I saw you two years ago. You, you look amazing. You want to do that, devote yourself to it. Does that mean you don't have to do, you can't run your, you know, couple miles here and there because you love running? No, no, no. Does it mean you can't, you have to drop out of your jujitsu class or your uh, adult basketball league? No, it doesn't. What it means is don't try to become excellent there. 
because you need to focus on becoming excellent at looking awesome. Okay? You can't ride more than one horse with one ass. You only got one ass. So that is what I wanted to talk about. And I hope that I've given you a little bit more clarity about the understanding that because of our disparate energy systems, because of the response that we have to very specific forms of training and the type of food that you need to fuel specific types of training, you have to really break it down and understand what is most important to you right now. If what's most important to you is how you look in the mirror with, and there ain't nothing wrong with that, okay? So don't let anybody tell you differently. Don't let society shrink you or make you say you're vain. No, it, it, it can transform you as a person in every aspect. Just It's not just about looking better. It can transform you when you become that accountable to yourself to put in the work and to have the discipline with the, uh, your eating to then see that goal and to look and to take off your shirt and be like, God damn, or to put on your bikini to go to the beach and feel good about yourself. It's an amazing transformative experience. And if that's your priority right now, Understand that that has to be your priority and you can't fucking make any ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then you can't also run the Boston Marathon. And you can't also become a competitive purple belt if you're a white belt right now. Okay? And this circles me back and gets me to cardio where cardio gets so misunderstood and how it becomes this, this tremendous heavy burden around you when you're trying to get that body that you're looking for. Because there's this <laughs> really common and pervasive misconception. Yes? Um, where's my stool? I need to get a tilt I believe it's in my closet. There's this very pervasive uh, and, and, and really like a deadly idea that, well, I'll lift weights for my muscles and I'll do my cardio for my body fat. Well, you get into a serious, serious kind of conundrum because you end up actually making sure that you're going to make no progress in either fat loss or muscle building. Here's Let me break down circuit training and why it's incredibly dumb. Your weight training at suboptimal weights for higher reps that are, by the way, only beneficial for hypertrophy or muscle gain, and then combining it with things like burpees or whatever to try to burn fat when you've already been engaging in resistance exercises that are going to compromise your ability to getting to the heart rates that you need to get to actually elicit some metabolic conditioning. So the two are fighting each other and you're just ending up doing really, really low level, maybe at best mediocre efforts in both and you're getting sweaty and tired and you will continue doing that and you will continue looking the same, if not worse, in the mirror. I actually feel worse for the man or woman who's going to do that and, and spend the money, time and effort, the immense effort in doing that and then not getting results. I feel worse for you. And I, I, I mean, in a sympathetic way, not like I feel worse because you suck. I feel, I sincerely feel worse from a sympathetic standpoint for you. than I do the actual couch, but who's like, I don't want to exercise at all. Screw you. This is who I am. I love my beer gut. Uh, pass me a course light because you're trying and you're, and you're trying hard, but you've been so misguided that then you end up getting even more frustrated than anybody who has never exercised before. So understand that, you know, cardio may have its place, but it is absolutely not, um, it's not mandatory when it comes to getting leaner. I don't mean getting gigantic. I'm talking about getting that, that, uh, that body that we aspire to. You know, my wife, I, I've talked about numerous times and I've had her on the show to talk about it. She's made such tremendous gains and lost so much body fat, and she does no cardio. Now, of course, I don't, I don't you know, coming off the heels of me trying to do too much and then screwing myself up hormonally and actually ended up ending up doing more work to get squishier, I'm not doing any cardio right now either. 
Um, but then you have to recognize what does that mean? Because nine out of the 10 Patreon clients that I work with, they report back to me like, I feel like I'm not doing enough work because I'm only lifting weights three days a week and I'm not doing any, can I go for a run on my off days? Can I do this? And I go, I go, okay. And here's, here is one of those kind of irrefutable arguments. If you're going to engage in physique transformation, you got to be in a slight caloric deficit for body fat loss. That has to happen. Okay. To do that, you can find that caloric deficit and then weight train to keep your protein synthesis high to either slightly gain amounts of muscle, you know, some muscle or, or maintain what you have while you're shedding body fat. If you engage in activity that's just going to burn a ton of calories, you're not going to be able to maintain that same level of deficit because it'll be too grand and you will burn yourself out. And then you won't be able to maintain any of that muscle mass or slightly gain some, which is what is way more important when it comes to looking good in the mirror. And more than likely, if you're a normal person, you're not a complete psychopath that like lives and breathes by how they look, you're going to end up eating more because you're starving. You're starving yourself. And then you swing back and you're just like, I had four ounces of chicken breast, a rice cake, and some asparagus today, and I'm, I'm getting that. And I also went on the treadmill for uh, an hour and a half, and I uh, did my weight training yesterday, and I, I'm going for it. I'm just going to get shredded. And that, and you're like, well, it's 10 p.m. I, I can't keep my eyes open, and, and I'm dying, and I feel weak. And, and then you have 13,000 calories of pizza and peanut butter. I'm not saying that judgmentally. I've been there. That's what happens. You have to have the self-control to understand that these are things that are going to come in slow incremental um, jumps, and that sucks because we want what we want. We want it quickly, but that's just not reality, and when you think that you're special and then you want to get it quickly, you you get in this fist fight with reality instead of trying to work with it, you spend another six months with the belly or the man tits or the fupa that you desperately wanted to try to get rid of. So you're sitting there and you're one of my Patreon clients and I program something for you and you say like, I feel like I'm not doing enough work. Two things are at play here. You're eating too much because if you're maintaining consistency with diet and you're in a slight caloric deficit, you don't ever really feel like I just will, I could do more. I should do more exercise. You're eating too much. You're training like a giant bitch or a combination of both. People are like two, two working sets of deadlifts and then some overhead press uh, with some core work. I, like, are you kidding me? That's nothing. Hmm. Well, that's how much I did today and I beg to differ. The lower the volume, the higher the intensity must be, vice versa. The higher the volume, you know, you start to see these pro bodybuilders or Dwayne The Rock Johnson who's doing 25, 30 sets of an extra, uh, a workout, and then he does that six times a week. Well, yeah, the, the intensity isn't that high. And it, and it might be beneficial working that way um, for, for a man his size with his level of leanness and his decades and decades of experience. But um, if you're in the range of average, just a regular person trying to become excellent, you got to you got to go in and you got to fucking bust ass and then let your body rest. Have the discipline to put as much effort into your recovery as you do into your training. I expect people to find out who they are, to dig deep, and really push themselves in the gym. But you can't do that if you're sleeping four hours a night because you're up playing Gears of War or, you know, Halo or staring at your phone. And you can't do that if you're going to have a cheat meal every day. Cheat meal once a week, sure. But if you eat five times a day and, you know, over seven days, that's 35 meals. If 33 of them are great and two of them are pizza and 
cheesecake. <laughs> so be it. You'll be fine. But people conflate that to mean 35 meals a week. 18 of them are pizza and cheese. And, but, you know, 17 were chicken breasts, buddy. Who are we getting here? Be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror. Be honest with yourself. Bust your ass. Three days a week is all most people need. Four, once you've started to get into, <coughs> you know, more more kind of esoteric territory, you know, where, where you've been training for years and years and years. You're strong and you can, your central nervous system on top of your musculoskeletal system can tolerate a little bit more training. Four days a week. Um, you can flirt with things like a, a bodybuilder split where you're training six days a week, but then, you know, that's really for a very specific response as we were talking about earlier with very specific stimuli for very specific response once you get to a point where you, then you have to train that frequently with that much volume you're talking about someone who's incredibly muscular that's trying to become even more it isn't really applicable for people who are just trying to look amazing even you know alexander skarsgård to prepare for his uh new, up, upcoming role um for being a Viking where he had to look jacked and he does, he looks amazing. Um, his trainer just did an interview in GQ. I can see if I could link to it if I could find it. Um, and he was training four days a week, sometimes five. And it was brutal. And he, and the trainer was the first to say some days he'd come into the gym and I could see, you know, with filming and with everything going on with pre-production, I, I could look in his eyes. I'd be like, you know what? Today we're just gonna, we're gonna do some stretching and talk. Because it's better for you to then be recovered than it is for you to try to push it even further. Because you do the 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 overwhelming downsides that come with overtraining. They can't. There's no balance with the slight, and I mean slight, if any, downside that would come with undertraining. And I mean just with amount here because no one should be under training when it comes to intensity. Okay? And I think it's irresponsible. I'm not training every, I'm not programming every single person who's never trained before to go in and do maximum intensity four rep sets of deadlifts. That, that's preposterous. What I am saying is that what I do, what I do see people do is that they think that by virtue of showing up and going through the motions of exercise – that that entail that that is all you need for training. Training is not that. Training is something that you are fully engaged in and is focused and is progressive and is and is it is something that you can mark and catalog, and it's calculable. And if you can't make progression, then you know you're not ready to train, and you should go and rest. Giving that I've said all this. How then do you think you can shoehorn in running 15 miles a week or also doing your spin classes and stuff like that? You can't. Because those precious, precious fuel sources that you're now trying to restrict, albeit slightly, but you're still trying to restrict your fuel sources, they need to be, just like your mind needs to be, devoted to that singular idea of progression in one very focused and very, very acute type of response and type of goal. All right? So take-home message would be reshuffle your, your kind of training priority list. And when it comes to having the body you've always wanted, reshuffle things to be diet at top, resistance training, then other ancillary recovery movement-based stuff. Actually, you know what? I changed my mind now that I think about it. Now that I'm thinking about that pyramid, diet, tra resistance training, recovery, all others. What comes into recovery? Stress management, things like meditation, things like being in good working relationships with the people around you. I understand that that isn't always totally in your control. If your husband's a dick, if your 
you're young and your parents are fucking busting your chops. You have a teacher, a professor that's a fucking asshole or your boss is just a psychopath. I understand. It's not always in your control, but do your best to make sure that the relationships that you have are, are feeding you, enriching you, and as opposed to taking away. Stress management being also things like absolutely top of the heap would be sleep. And, of course, diet at the top of the is going to bleed into recovery. You know, a solid diet is going to absolutely have an impact. Um, Meditation, um, mobility movements, these are all things that fall into the category of solid recovery. Uh, infrared saunas, cold plunge, um, you know. You don't have to get geeky with that stuff, but you should be aware of it and do it. Get a diet, get someone who really knows what they're talking about, find that trainer or that nutritionist that really understands what it means to eat, to nourish the body while also achieving physiques. Have them program for it and stick to it. Have them program it and stick to it. Consistently. Not Monday through Friday and then Saturday and Sundays, beers and brunch. That is priority number one. Then lift. Lift hard, lift heavy. Go for it. Again, find someone who really knows what they're talking about to program for you. Tend to your recovery, get your sleep, Meditate. I recommend it greatly to everyone. It doesn't have to be hours of your day. But learn and commit to meditating. Get your sleep. Uh, foam roll. Do what you need to do to keep your body feeling okay. Manage the relationships you have in your life. And then after that, if you want to do your treadmill, if you want to do supplements, uh, there's all the other shit. But that bottom tier... It could fucking break off and fall off. Be like, oh, sh- whoop. Uh, hey, dude, I dropped that bottom tier. The other tiers, they'd be like, it's cool. Trust me. We're good without them. All right. And if you're looking for that guy or gal who knows what they're talking about, uh, I do have spaces available in my top tier Patreon. Um, and that is essentially what you get. You get me custom programming, eating and training for you. And nonstop 24 hours, seven days a week access to me to alter things and tweak them as best that would best fit you. And the accountability of having to check in with me all the time, which is, uh, you know, I think worth its weight in gold. And that's why I always work with people. I can definitely program things for myself and I can always figure out what I need to eat, but I'm always working with someone else for that reason, because the accountability of checking in and monitoring things and altering things as you go is worth its weight in gold. So just look on to Patreon for Mike Catherwood. And remember, in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.